welcome to the Bible Feed podcast, a place for conversations about the Bible and faith in the modern world, where ordinary people come together to help each other understand the Bible better. Let's get started. I'm Lawrence Davenport, and once again, I'm joined by Dan Weatherall to continue our series on discovering Jesus in Matthew. If you remember last time, we were talking about the devil and looking in the early chapters of Matthew to discover what that was all about, the times of temptation um, that we saw in Matthew 4. Uh, But today we're going to move on and we're going to talk about the topic of the kingdom of heaven. What's it all about? Dan, put us out of our misery. Yeah. Hi, Lawrence. It's good good to be chatting with you again about this. Uh, Yeah, so kingdom of heaven, I, I figured that we need to be sort of spending a bit of time talking about that in this epi- in this series on, on Matthew because it's something that keeps coming up over and over again in, in the Gospel of Matthew. The kingdom of heaven is this. The parables start off were like, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like this. Then he gives a parable, Jesus does, and he talks about him preaching and proclaiming the kingdom of heaven. So it's only right that we uh, we think a bit about that and um, and try and link it back to the things that we've um the things that we've been thinking about as well but in the in previous episodes you know it's all about the uh the kingdom we'll, we'll see there'll be lots of links to what we've talked about already yeah just before this episode i did a a quick um search on my bible software for kingdom of heaven and certainly there is a a huge amount of occurrences within matthew so i think it's worth spending a few moments to discover that so we we le- we um finished last time we were still in in matthew chapter 4 we were um, considering the temptations, we were in the wilderness, if you remember. So, where are we going to where are we going to um, start today? So, if we're still in Matthew four, then and have have right. a look in in, in uh, verse or well, verse seventeen. So, we're just skipping a few verses ahead, just for a moment. We, we'll look back in in a moment. But mm-hmm. verse seventeen says, "From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand.'" Okay, so there's a there's a few things going on there. There's it's a short phrase, so we need to work out what Jesus means by the word kingdom. Why is he is he calling it the kingdom of heaven? And then of course, you know, he's saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand as well. And it's got to provoke a response as well, which we're perhaps perhaps not going to have have much you know time to sort of think about. But the, the whole idea of repent because of this, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So so you've got to repent. So mm. yeah, lots there's in you know short short sentence, but lots to sort of unpack there. Yeah, it's a definite call for action, isn't it? That uh, that's coming out of that verse, um, as we did. Last Last time, I know you're very good at this, Dan. It's really kind of um, decomposing a passage to understand what it's what it's all about. <laughs> so let's let's do that. And uh, it's probably a couple of things we need to do. First of all, let's just remember the context of this passage. Um, you know, where did where does this fit um, after the the little episode that we saw in in the wilderness? Um, probably also. You know, we have four gospel records for a reason, so we can compare and contrast. Yeah. Um, and then maybe look at um, the historical context of this as well, see if there's anything that we, anything we can draw on there. So, presume yeah. we'll be doing those, all those things that you, you usually apply. I suppose it's all about trying to not just bring to the text your assumptions, but trying to go through this in a sort of systematic kind of way, and and you know use the tools that that we've got, which is context and and comparing scripture and comparing scripture with the his, history around it. So some f- fairly simple stuff. Um. So hopefully we'll we'll do that. Excellent. Let's get into it then. Okay. So so let's just go back a few verses then. First of all, in Matthew four, and we get so so the temptations narrative has just happened. So that's first the first eleven verses. Okay. And we we thought about that last time. Talked about the devil and how it's a very strange um 
you know, circumstance and it really it's it's sort of showing the temptations that are going on in the mind of Jesus and all that sort of thing. That then ends, verse 11, and it says that Jesus then went and, and lived in Capernaum by the sea. Um, and that's sort of to the north, of, by the Sea of Galilee, that is. So this is where, where Jesus has sort of left, sort of Nazareth, gone down to the Sea of Galilee and, and is there. And uh, verse 14 says, this happened so that it was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee, the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Okay, So that's curious, isn't it, that there's a prophecy here from the Isaiah, which is all about where Jesus goes to live, effectively, and it's the region in which he's coming to, to sort of give these announcements of the kingdom of heaven. Um, so that comes from Isaiah chapter 9, um, which um, th- so that quote that we've just just read there comes from the early ch- early verses of Isaiah chapter nine. Um, you, you might uh, you you probably do know that that passage well, but I mean the rest of the chapter Isaiah nine is 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 like extremely famous, um, isn't it? Um, it's yeah. by Handel's Messiah. Um, so yeah. it's um, Isaiah nine is clearly building up to something which is, you know, the four to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government should be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. You know, all, all that. Very uh, good, Dan. Okay, you can join in if you like. Um, I'm not joining in. I, no, okay. I'm not going to get involved in that. Uh, <laughs> we need a good alto, Lawrence. <laughs> okay. uh, so, you know, this, this is the the major sort of passage in Isaiah, which is about the king coming. The son has been mm-hmm. born, who is going to be the king. Um, the government will be upon his shoulder. Um, verse 7 talks about the increase of his government uh, and of peace. There'll be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with the righteousness from this time forth and forever. So, you know, this is like uh, the the passage um, about the the son of david coming who's going to be the king david of course being the yeah. you know the first person the the, the davidic dynasty of, of the line yeah. of, of the kings so so isaiah 9 starts off with this region is going to have this great light shining which is wonderful because there's going to be this son born and he's going to come and, and bring the kingdom so that's what matthew quotes matthew's quoting isaiah 9 and then immediately that verse that we've just read verse 17 from that time jesus began to preach saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and there you go lo and behold that's what he's talking about he's gone back to isaiah 9 which is all about someone who's going to reign going to sit on a throne of david you know this is this is very Kingdom of Israel sort of language. And then he says, well, Jesus walked around that region and he's saying, repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, you know, it's very much rooted in in that that background, first of all, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, they would have known um, their history and they would have known uh, what the, you know, the word kingdom would have been laden with uh, meaning to them, wouldn't it? So they would have understood very specifically what the kingdom yeah. is or what, what that word means to them. Um, but That's right. The, I mean, the thing is here, it's very specific about it's not just um, what was termed, you know, with David and the Davidic um, king. Uh, that was the kingdom of Israel. It was often termed. Um, in fact, it was sometimes termed the kingdom of God as well and, um, in the Old Testament. But but here it's not saying that what those words. It's using a different phrase. It's using the kingdom of heaven. So wh- why do you think that that's the, the phrase that's being chosen here? Yeah, that, that's, that's a good question because we've got to think about that as well. Um, I think it's clear there's a link from, the, you know, Jesus going around and preaching the kingdom and the quote mm-hmm. from Isaiah 9. I think that's really, really clear. But yeah, why does it say, why does Jesus say the kingdom of heaven? Or why does Matthew uh, portray Jesus as saying that? And what, what we need to um, 
compare this with other gospels, which we'll do in a moment. But basically, all the other gospels show Jesus as going around and proclaiming and announcing the kingdom of God. And in Matthew, it's almost always the kingdom of heaven. There's a handful of times where Jesus refers to the kingdom of God, uh, but most of the time it's the, the kingdom of heaven. So you can compare the gospels and you think, well, Matthew says Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Mark is saying Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. So they're kind of equivalent terms, I think. I think that's that's a fair yeah. assumption. We, we mm-hmm. can look at an example in, in a moment. Now, why is it heaven then? Why, why does Matthew say the kingdom of heaven? Well, I think that's a, that's a complicated question. And um, I'm sort of reliant on the scholars and, and the people that look into this here. Um, and actually, I'll, I'll show you in a moment that people people aren't quite sure <laughs> at all, which is which is worth worth bearing in mind. But what it's, what it's almost certainly is, is when in the, at this time in the Jewish history, the there was a tradition or a way of doing things had built up which was trying to avoid saying the name of God. I mean, that perpetuates to today. Um, and they sort of don't write it down as well. They replace the name of God and even replace, you know, saying God. Um, and they do that in a number of ways. And one of those ways would be referring to heaven instead, heaven being sort of an, a term which replaces the the word God, but you know, you, you know, you, you know, when you use it, you're referring to God. There's a really good example in uh, Luke chapter 15. Um, just it's worth just quickly. I'm going to turn to it just to make sure I get it right. Uh, Luke chapter 15 and verse 18. So this is the the parable of the prodigal son. Um, so the son that runs away spends all his inheritance money, and then he realizes what a fool he's been, and uh, and then he thinks to himself and says, "I'm going to go back to my dad." And I'm going to say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Um, so when he says that, he's referring, he, you know, he's sinned against God. That's what he's done. But but you can see how the terms are, are used sort of interchangeably there. It's, mm-hmm. become a, it's become a use of the word heaven to basically be synonymous with God. So I think that's what's probably going on here. Matthew is is um, sort of using that convention. The, the reason why he's doing it is not necessarily very clear. It's often said that Matthew's doing it because of sensitivities to the Jewish audience. So that, you know, he's not trying to, you know, get up the backs too much. He's speaking predominantly to a, a Jewish Christian audience or a Jewish audience who are sort of sympathetic to Christianity and they want to learn more about it. And so he doesn't get the backs up and he refers to the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't really make sense, though. There's a, in, in R.T. France's commentary, um, he, he says a little bit about this. And he says, uh, Matthew's phrase, the kingdom of heaven is functionally the same as the kingdom of God in Mark and Luke and frequently occurs in direct parallel to it. It says that uh, about Matthew's general preference for heaven instead of God is conventionally explained as a typically Jewish reverential paraphrase to avoid pronouncing the name of God. But since Matthew seems to have no inhibitions about speaking of God by name elsewhere, this is hardly an adequate explanation. So that's basically, you know, what I've just said. And I think that that makes sense. Um, and there's also some pretty harsh things that Matthew um, records Jesus saying about the Jewish traditions as well. He, he uh, certainly you know. does. Yeah, yeah, he certainly does. And, we, we, you know, in the previous episodes we've, we've looked at, we've seen how that Matthew has a very Jewish flavor, exactly as, you know, many people say, um, you know, refers back to the Old Testament so much. 
And yet, all the way through that, we've seen threads of, by the way, Gentile women were saved, you know, in the genealogy of, of, of Jesus. Um, by the way, the Roman centurion believed Jesus, you know, all these all these different things that are sort of hinting at the fact that the, uh, oh, is it the Magi as well, the people that came to the birth, you know, at the, when Jesus was born, and it's the, the, the scribes and Pharisees, the scribes, the, the lawyers, the people... The Jewish leaders, they don't bother going searching him out, but these foreign Gentile magicians come and search Jesus. So yeah, there's loads of things woven through Matthew that are sort of fairly not anti-Jewish at all, but they're, they're not, he's not dancing around and, you know, trying to prevent their, their sensitivities. So, so yeah, I, I don't think that's an adequate explanation as to why. I'm going to, a little bit later on, and we're going to look at a couple of those passages, actually, that where Matthew uses kingdom of God instead of kingdom of heaven. And there's perhaps a, a little reason that I'll perhaps su- suggest at that time. But we, yeah. what we do know for certainty, okay, is that it's basically synonymous with the, the phrase kingdom of God. I mean, just um, just compare Mark chapter 1 with what we've just seen. So Mark chapter 1. Do you want to read, one, do you wanna, do you read verse um, 14 and yeah. 15? Yeah, so Mark 1, 14. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So that sounds um, very much like the phrase that we've seen in uh, Matthew five, in, in Matthew four. Yeah, it's absolutely right. Yeah, it's, it's Jesus. It's, it's talking about the same thing, the yeah. same place, the same summary of Jesus coming to preach, and there's the phrase "kingdom of God" rather than "kingdom of heaven." Yeah. So, so it's synonymous <clears throat> with that. So, um, so heaven is referring to the fact this is God's kingdom. Uh, that's that's what the term is is there for. I, I think. Mm. Yeah. So it's less about the location of the kingdom, um, and it's it's more about what does the kingdom represent? Who is who is does this kingdom ultimately belong to? Um, rather than trying to specify a location, and I think that's probably something an idea that comes out elsewhere as well. So in um, in Ephesians, it talks about that kind of idea about having uh, believers having their minds elevated rather than looking at the things on the earth and immediately around you. Actually, you've got your focus on things to do with God, things in heaven. And I'll just read a verse from Ephesians two, uh, which is in- interesting because it's talking about now it's not talking about the future or a hope of the future it's talking about now it's um, talking about what's happened when you get baptized and you get associated with with jesus Um, in verse 6 of ephesians chapter 2 it says um and raised us up with him um, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in christ jesus and that that phrase in christ jesus is a phrase which you can show um, in galatians and in other places um, talks about being baptized into him being associated with him etc and when that happens you are raised up you are raised up into heavenly places but you know when i was baptized i didn't go to heaven yeah yeah <laughs> but i had my mind on things of god rather than things on the earth i think yeah. that's kind of maybe the same idea yeah, yeah that's right we, we we often we all think of usually sort of modern western people think of heaven in terms of spatial terms like we think mm. there's a outer space place or you know that that kind of thing whereas whereas heaven in the bible is is, is almost almost always used to be more like god's god's domain the things of god the things that are godly um, um, so yeah, you're you're absolutely right. So all the passages later on that talk about um, that, yeah being setting your mind on things of the heavens and and being like Ephesians yeah being in the heavenlies and yet that's just people walking around Ephesus you know two thousand mm-hmm. years ago almost so that's right the, yeah so that's absolutely right. So when Jesus goes around saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, I don't think anyone would have thought. Oh, excellent. It's time for us to get whisked up up into heaven soon. Uh, you know, that's, that's great. Looking forward to that. 
I don't, I don't think they would have thought that. They would have they <laughs> would have thought back to Isaiah nine as Matthew did. Uh, they would have thought back to um, they would have thought back to the exile as well. You know, th- these are the things we've looked at already, haven't we? So so this th- let's just root all this in what we've thought through in Matthew first of all. So there's the genealogy right at the start, isn't there? Which we looked yeah. at. And there, there was that was punctuated at certain points. One of them was the start of the kingdom with David, and then the, the other one, the other point uh, that it flags up was when the kingdom effectively ended, when they were taken off into exile into Babylon. And from that point on, there is no king. There's no kingdom, and the people are effectively feel like they're in exile because they've got Romans ruling over them. Um, Jesus comes along and says, "I'm proclaiming the kingdom." You know, that's that's what they would have thought of. They wouldn't have thought of um, you know being whisked off anywhere uh, spatially like that. So. So yeah, that's what we've we've thought of from chapter one. We thought about Jesus. Do you remember that um, he's given the name uh, Emmanuel to God yes. with us, yeah. and that's Isaiah again, wasn't it? So that's yeah. in Isaiah yeah. uh, seven, and uh, and in there, uh, that was a sign back to King Ahaz of the line of David um, to say, look, God is with the line of David, and and the irony there was Ahaz doesn't want the sign. He doesn't care less about the line of David. He just cares about his own skin and paying off you know other kings and foreign kings and sort of being in with his neighbors um so but jesus is now emmanuel he's the sign that god is with them and that god is with the davidic king and so all this all this is building up to make the same point about the kingdom the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of god and and then that we've thought a little bit about the temptations as well which were all about jesus eyeing up the kingdoms of the world because he's got Psalm 2 on his brain. The anointed son, God has um, said, you're my son. He's got Psalm 2 on the brain. And then the next verse in Psalm 2 says, ask of me, I will give you the kingdoms for your inheritance. And so he's thinking, oh, do you know what? I could just do it. Let's just do it now. I could take all these now. I can use force. I can effectively act like the zealots and I can go out and, and take the kingdoms. But he doesn't do it. He resists because God's kingdom isn't like that. It wouldn't have been a heavenly kingdom. It wouldn't have been God's kingdom if if he'd done it in that way. Um, so he resisted and he proclaimed instead God's kingdom. You know, this is the kingdom of heaven. Um, so that's that's I think how we need to understand that that phrase, don't we? Yeah, we're right at the beginning of Matthew here, but right at the beginning of Luke, we have the um, the, the words that are said to to Mary, and it includes in in those words about the role of him being on the throne of his father David. So we do have a link back, don't we, to a real kingdom? Um, him being a king, sitting, um, uh, you know, in a in a kingly position. So you know, we know where that throne was, but. Uh, Okay, let's let's um we recognise the fact that this phrase "kingdom of heaven" um is very pervasive in Matthew, especially towards the end when we've got all the parables and there's a whole series of them, isn't there? The kingdom of heaven is like bang, like this, like that, like yep. the other, and it gives you all these different um, aspects. And what's interesting as well that it does it's not just Matthew that the kingdom um is talked about this message i mean in acts chapter one um again the phrase isn't kingdom of heaven here but it's that synonymous phrase which is kingdom of god but right at the beginning of acts chapter one which we know that you know jesus has risen he's with the um the the disciples for 40 days and what's he talk about well he's speaking about the kingdom of god that's what he's speaking about and then the disciples uh, and the, or the apostles, as they're then termed, are wanting him to restore the kingdom to Israel. Mm, so it's like a, it's really critical yeah. part of the, the preaching, isn't it? Right through Matthew, yeah. the other gospel records and into Acts. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really yeah. curious, you know, why why should we be interested in the kingdom of Israel? And, you know, Jesus going around to the, the Jewish people saying the kingdom's going to be restored and, you know, stuff like that. Why, why on earth should we be interested in that? It, on the on the face of it, it seems so like irrelevant to us, doesn't mm. it? 
But um, yeah. hopefully, you know, the next few things we, we think about will show that it isn't relevant. Uh, you know, it is what Jesus said and did was rooted in that historical reality um, of that period and the wait, looking for the kingdom. But but for us sitting, you know, so many years removed in a different time and, and culture, that that reality still is relevant for us. So yeah, we need to we need to bridge that gap. <laughs> Okay, good stuff. Right, so let's get back on track then. Um, let's um, get back to, to Matthew 4. Um, and what, what, yeah. wh- where do we want to go next with this? What do we want to look at next? Yeah, okay, so let's, let's, so we've looked at that summary statement in verse 17. There's, there's another mm-hmm. bit of a summary statement which comes up in verse 23. And we'll just look at that, um, a few verses there. Now, you've got to, if you remember anything of the structure, I think, was it, was that this, the second episode in this series? We talked a bit about structure of the book. Yeah, we did. Yeah, and yeah. some sections, the sections of Matthew. Um, yeah. Okay, so we're just about to go into the first big block of Jesus's sayings. There's five mm-hmm. of them in the book. Yeah. And, uh, and the, start, the first one starts in Matthew chapter 5. Um, which is the Sermon on the Mount, a very famous collection of Jesus' teachings. So uh, verse 23 of Matthew 4 is like almost sort of building you up to that. It's introducing it, okay? So verse 23, he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And there's great crowds following, there's pe- he's healing people, there's, there's all those sorts of things. But so Jesus is he's going around, he's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and he's teaching, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom okay so he's doing two things teaching and proclaiming or preaching or Mm -hmm. announcing that Mm -hmm. sort of thing okay so what you then find in um chapter five is um uh, the jesus goes up to this mountain the first verse sat down his disciples came to him verse two he opened his mouth and taught them saying and then blah 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 blah. he's he's teaching this is this is a collection of sayings of jesus teachings okay so um and and in fact it ends in chapter 7 verse 28 jesus finished these sayings the crowds were astonished at his teaching so matthew's book ended all this collection of sayings by by saying yeah these are these are the things that jesus was teaching okay uh so we need to we're going to dip into that proclaim the proclaiming of the the gospel of the kingdom the announcing of it uh, which is this the other thing that he does that comes in the second block of jesus sayings which is is fascinating we'll we'll see that in, Mm. in just a moment Okay, so let's dip into some of Jesus' teachings, okay, which is Matthew chapter 5, verse 2. He opened his mouth, taught them, saying, um, and then here's another, we're, we're hitting all the famous passages here in this yeah, episode, okay, <laughs> so the, the Beatitudes, this is, yeah. it's known as the Beatitudes, so it's the blessings, okay, um, verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, no, theirs is the kingdom of heaven, they're the, they're the ones that are going to get it. Okay. Um, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Okay. And what he's he's speaking to a rabble, a crowd of people that are living in in the occupied territory of of uh, Galilee and the regions around it. The Romans rule it. Uh, they feel like they ought to rule. 
their own home hometown at the home home nation they haven't done for for many many years and they're living in sort of you know difficult times um we, we reckon we've lived in difficult times the last last 12 months or so but you know it does not patch on what many people in the world even today but back in the first century ad would have experienced you know it would have been really difficult trying to trying to get enough to to live and in a, a period where you've got roman soldiers all around and yeah it that's tough you're not you're not the powerful you're you're under the powerful so so mm. jesus is talking to those these people who are poor in spirit these are people who mourn these are people who who are meek they hunger and thirst for righteousness they're looking forward to a time of, of righteousness and, and things like that you know they, they want the kingdom of heaven they, they want um this thing you can see how this is this is so linked and so rooted to the time and place that Jesus is talking and, and announcing this this kingdom that he, he wants to announce and, and give them good news about. Yeah, it's, and it's interesting that you know if this if this was a, a kind of a a human rebellion, this wouldn't be a, a a speech like this with with all of this advice on how to behave and how to live with each other, etc. You know, it's like it's three chapters are really just solid. You know how to how to live a good life. Yeah, yeah. Um, it yeah. would be you know rise up against them and kind of we can't we shouldn't stand for this. Um, it's, it would be more of that sort of uh, um, tenor rather than what we have here. But it was still speaking to people who were really under the cosh, really kind of having difficult times, and it would have resonated really, really strongly with them. Yeah, definitely, yeah. I mean, later on in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, you know, not yeah. blessed are the ones that, that take up the swords and go and fight the Roman legions. Yeah. You know, that this, this, yeah, you're absolutely right. These are people who probably would have thought about doing that from time to time. Mm. Um, and there were, there, were, there were people doing that. There were people, you know, sort of Judean bandits and, you yeah. know, people trying to, trying to do that. Um, and yeah, that's think- why in AD 70, that's essentially why Jerusalem was crushed because um, cause there was a, an uprising that gathered momentum um, and yeah. then the Romans stamped it out so i think paul the apostle was um accused of that at one point wasn't he you know, exactly you, yeah somebody who does this but it's interesting that phrase you know because this some, i mean we could spend an entire session on the beatitudes i'm pretty sure <laughs> but uh, there's that phrase blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth yeah um, and that that's an interesting phrase and that's that's actually um, a lot of this is linked back to um, yeah. scriptures that the Jews would have understood and that's linked back to a psalm which is pretty much just lifted straight from Psalm yeah, 37, yeah. Um, 37 verse 11 where it says uh, but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace yeah um, so we, we have this if you're righteous if you're meek you will inherit the earth yeah which is an interesting yeah, the earth, isn't it? Which, which actually, the, so the first one is um, the kingdom of heaven. So that's that's explaining where the kingdom of heaven is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, so it's, it's if, you, if you're blessed in these ways, if you're if you're you know you're blessed are these sorts of people, you know, living through this particular time of difficulty, and and if they respond to it in this sort of attitude, they're blessed, and they will inherit the kingdom of heaven. You know, that's theirs, and they will inherit the earth. You know, that, that that's it's basically an explanation. It's a synonymous sort of thing again. Which, which fits in with what we've seen. Um, we've not jumped in and made the assumption that the kingdom of heaven is, is talking about where the kingdom is or where, it, you know, where people need to end up, have we? We've, we've sort of rooted it in the historical reality of what Jesus is saying. And this makes perfect sense as well. So the, there's, a, there's an expectation here that there's a better time coming for the world, for the earth, not for some other world, the sort of get out of here, this this life is terrible, um, you know, we've just got to lump it and then, then God will whisk us off to somewhere else better. That That's not the expectation. The expectation is a time of renewal for the earth, the land. That, that's, um, 
that's what the kingdom's all about, isn't it? Which is um, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's just skip forward. So so that's that starts off the teaching. Jesus is teaching of the about the kingdom of heaven. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then just skip forward to chapter nine. So Matthew chapter nine and verse thirty-five. Uh, this is Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And you think, oh, I think I've read that before somewhere, and that's because you pretty much have in in chapter four. So chapter the end of chapter four was just gearing up to the first collection of sayings, and now the end of chapter nine it's gearing up to the second collection of sayings. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount was all about the teaching, and now chapter 10 is all about the proclaiming, of the renouncing of the kingdom. It's all about sending out his disciples yeah. um, to go out and proclaim. That's there in verse 7. He, he calls them in verse 7 of chapter 10. He says, proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he wants them to go out and repeat what he's been saying. So so this so this chapter, which you know, is, there's all sorts in this chapter, which we're not going to look at at all. But it's all about the proclaiming of, of the message. So Jesus, it's, it's wonderful. The Gospel of Matthew has been sort of so well structured that, you know, the teachings of Jesus are all there at the start, the Sermon on the Mount, the proclaiming, the, the sort of reality of Jesus sending his apostles out to preach and proclaim the message is there in this block here as well. And the reality of Jesus's three and a half years going around the, the towns and villages, he would have been teaching and proclaiming all the time. That's what Matthew says. But it, it's so, it's brilliant how he's pulled it all together. But there's something really interesting um, in Matthew chapter 10, which is where we get a list of the the disciples. Verse two, the names of the 12 apostles, are the people sent out, so the disciples of those apostles uh, are these. <clears throat> and you get in verse 3, uh, Matthew, the tax collector, and then you get in verse 4, so I'm, I'm using the ESV here, Simon the Canaanian, Canaanian, but I think it's sort of split 50-50 as to what version you, you, you use uh, as to whether it will say something like Simon the Zealot, so I don't know yeah. if, what you, if you've got I've one. I've got the ESV here as well, so it's, oh, yeah, the, it's okay, the same, yeah. but yeah, yeah I've seen But basically, well. if, you, if you look that up in a lexicon, that's, that's what... You know, that's what the word means. It, you know, it, it's, it's a zealot. Okay. So what's a zealot and what's a tax collector? Oh, tax collector. Someone who collects taxes, tax. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's the clues in the name. But, you know, the important thing here is that tax collectors were, were collecting tax for the occupying force. So the Romans, the, the enemy. So that was one sort of political move you could make in this desperate time. Okay. You could, you could align yourself with, uh, with the powers. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Probably quite an easy way out. You could you could say scrap all this national heritage, this uh, our uh, Jewish heritage, our Jewish laws, and forget this. Let's be Hellenized. Let's just take on the empire's virtues and let's make a bob or two while we're at it. We'll we you know we'll we'll do well out of this. So tax collectors effectively did that. Okay. Uh, so consequently, they were not liked very much by uh, for their sort of fellow countrymen. And then the zealots, or who are the zealots? I've referred to them. Before I think we might have even talked a little bit about them before, but the zealots are the those who effectively are the polar opposites of that, and that's the political ideology, which is basically we need to resist the the Roman force, the occupation, the people against us. We need to resist the enemy. We've got to ru- uh, rise up against them, and the, it's the zealots that. So at this time, at the time of Jesus, the zealots aren't. I don't think the historians tell us 
they're not a an actual political sort of party or political force at the time but there was def the zealot um, ideology was there and mm-hmm. that basically coalesced and became into the zealot movement which which triggered um the the destruction of jerusalem when um when rome fought back and basically pummeled it and um and took took it and burnt a lot of it with fire so in AD 70 so so the zealots were were big and and they they had their own view on what what should happen and that ended in disaster in the end um so so these two uh, ways of approaching this this tricky situation uh, in in history they're both represented amazingly in the 12 that Jesus chooses to be his really special people who are going out and saying actually I've got good news about the kingdom of heaven okay a heavenly kingdom God's kingdom you know this this is we don't want to actually we want to change the ideology of uh, you know whether a tax collector says yeah yeah let's just join up with the kingdom of Rome Roman Empire uh, we want to change the the ideology of the zealots and actually we all all of us should be going around and and transcending that and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven and and that's just mm. you know that that's um that's incredible in the fact that Jesus deliberately chooses these two people within his sort of close friends you know and there's people all in the mix there aren't there you know there's the fishermen there's uh, there's Judas and there's there's Thomas and you know there's all sorts of different people there as well but there's these two polar opposites at either end as well I suppose it's it's really about their backgrounds because at that point they weren't advocating for their previous position of fighting for the empire yeah. or fighting to be a zealot against the empire that they were actually it was just their background so it's yeah. really just indicating that this group of people who responded to the gospel message can be called from all manners of life different avenues different backgrounds etc and it's pertinent to each of them and they all contribute to that it's not like you have to be of a certain mold in order to then to come to the gospel and to appreciate it that's absolutely right yeah and and this, this is what if we go back to the teaching okay the sermon on the mount go back to the teaching of jesus that's basically what it's all about <clears throat> it's all about um this new <laughs> this new vision of, God, of god's kingdom the kingdom of heaven that, that jesus is is basically proclaiming and saying if god rules if heaven rules okay if it's god's kingdom and if it's heaven's kingdom um then it, this is what it should be about how should i behave if heaven is ruling well it looks like this and it looks like all those those things that you, you talked you've mentioned briefly the you know all these life different you know teaching about anger to, and, and that you know you shouldn't mm. even be angry right you shouldn't you shouldn't go out and and think oh, i've just got to make sure i don't murder anyone today you've actually got to go out and think i shouldn't actually be getting angry with people you know i, I should because anger is the thing that leads to murder you know and i've actually got to work on something a bit more internal a bit more you know uh, profound than just making sure i resist sort of murdering someone it's, it's, it's brilliant they're absolutely brilliant teachings they make you think and in the context of the time they would be they would be electric teaching you know just mm. someone someone to go around in the moment of, of history at this point where there's all these you know things about trying to rise against rome and or try and just you know take as much money from the taxes as you possibly can and just just live with it and yet jesus is saying about loving your enemy and stuff so so matthew 5 for example verse 23 uh, sorry, verse 43. You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbour and hate your enemy. 
Okay, so love all our countrymen and mm -hmm. uh, let's hate the Romans. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends his rain on the just and on the unjust. So there's the model. God, the father, is doing these things, sending the rain and the sun on everyone. His love is poured out to all people. Therefore, we ought to behave like that. You know, this is a new model that Jesus is bringing to this people that never, never thought about it before, even though what, even though Jesus, what Jesus is doing is pointing back to the law and look, pointing back to the Torah, look back to the Old Testament and saying, look, it was all there. You know, if you could just sort of peel back the layers and see what it's, what it was getting at, but these people hadn't, hadn't got that. Mm. Um, you know, you must, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So, you know, if God rules, if heaven rules and this is how God behaves and this is what heaven gives to the people on the earth, rain and sun and, you know, all the blessings, then to both enemies and non-enemies, then I ought to be doing that as well. You know, that's, that's what he's saying. So, so it's, this is, this is radical. This is, this is really, yeah. um, you know, really radical. It's good stuff. And I think the fact that in that, um, Matthew 10, essentially Jesus was doing this test run of sending the apostles out, wasn't he? So, and that was proclaiming that gospel, going out and proclaiming the gospel and basically scaling the message from, you know, just one man talking about the message or maybe John and, and Jesus and that, but being able to scale that and this being like a little foretaste of what would happen in the Acts of the Apostles because there's so many similarities between yeah. this, this sending out of the 12 here in this little test run and then that the sending out in in beginning of acts where mm. you've you no longer have you got a restriction where they could go so in in matthew they were restricted they couldn't go to no, no, no town of the samaritans but in acts chapter one it says they're allowed to go to jerusalem to the samaritans to all the world and 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 this this whole idea of this amazing message of 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 love going out to you know all these different people yeah yeah that's that's where it's all all heading wasn't it so uh, yeah. and yeah and um yeah and it wasn't okay. like it was a different message that that's that's the thing what you're saying isn't it um yeah when when they went out again they, it was the same gospel that they're, they're, yeah. they're sort of teaching quite a few momentous things may have happened since you know the Jesus yeah. dying and being resurrected, you know, doesn't happen every day. <laughs> so, so that you know, that was the. We'll come on to that in a in a future yeah. episode, don't we? Um, but uh, okay. but yeah, absolutely, it's it's the same teaching. So so um, let's just go back to our anchor verse in yeah. Matthew four because um, we've spoken about um so the whole idea of repentance is actually something that we see with the teaching of John the Baptist as well in various different mm -hmm. um passages. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand now what does that mean so when i say something is at hand i think it's either very close by or yeah so so what does that mean yeah yeah so we need to think about that that little phrase now so so what we kingdom of heaven is at hand so it's it sounds like it's something that's imminent that's just about to happen doesn't it and what we've seen pretty much backs that up i think um so so far i'm gonna nuance that in a minute but we've seen that Jesus is teaching, um, proclaiming, going about teaching about the kingdom. And his teaching is all about how you live your life in the Sermon on the Mount. And he's going to proclaim the kingdom of heaven, which is effectively the same, you know, proclaiming this message and proclaiming that, you know, you need to repent and, and live live in this way. And it, we've seen it's all about the kingdom uh, that's rooted in the kingdom that was previously the throne of David. And it's a sort of uh, an earthly reality. That's what they're looking for. Um, they're looking for that sort of thing. So the question is, is, is that what it is? Is it, is it just about, is Jesus reconfiguring the kingdom sort of in a strictly sort of a strict sense about a monarchy? Uh, is he reconfiguring that to mean that uh, we just go out and live good lives now? Um, or, and that's what it is. Or is there something else? 
about about it to come effectively. Um, so we need to think about that. Now, there's there's a sense in which the kingdom of God was there. Okay, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God w- was there at the time, and it, and I think it's it comes up in chapter twelve, verse twenty eight. So there's a whole lot of context here. This is Jesus clashing with the the authorities, the Jewish the Pharisees, the the sort of the ruling class, mm-hmm. and um, all sorts of things happening. He's just healed a someone who was blind and mute. So the way they referred to that as a demon oppressed man who's blind and mute, he's healed that that person. And verse 28, he says, if it is by the spirit of God that I cast out demons, which is referring to the healing, if it's by the spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And basically what he's saying is, look, if if I've done this by the spirit of God, which I have, because that's the only way I could have done it, then it's proving that the kingdom of God has, has come to you. Now, notice this is one of those phrases, one of those occasions in when Matthew uses the kingdom of God rather than the kingdom of heaven. And I just wonder if um, this using it here when so far, most of the time, he's just been using kingdom of heaven. Whenever the kingdom of God comes up, it would have been more jarring. Jarring perhaps isn't the quite word, but more um, emphatic. That's probably the word. You know, mm-hmm. to suddenly hear him talking about the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven, this, and then the kingdom of God has come upon you. It's like, we really should listen to this. Mm-hmm. So I think I think the way that's what, the way Matthew has put Jesus or portrayed uh, the, the the things of Jesus and and woven his narrative together to record these things in this order and in this way. I think that's that's um that's why it's perhaps here. So it's really you know it's an emphatic thing. So clearly Jesus here is imagining something that is present. It's a it's a reality to people's lives sort of in the here and now. And it's what we've seen, isn't it? He's, he's challenging them to sort of transform their lives now. He's challenging them to say, well, if the kingdom of God means that God rules. That God is sovereign, that God, um, you know, that heaven rules, that heaven is sovereign, uh, then that means I ought to live like this. I ought to follow, pattern my life after God. I ought to, you know, do those sorts of things. Okay. So, so there's that sense that the kingdom of heaven is at hand because, well, Jesus came and he did all these things and he's teaching them this way. So that's one understanding. Yeah. And that's a little bit like the sense that we've already seen from Ephesians where actually you're changing your life today to look yes. to God rather than um, to yeah. look at the here and now. Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely right. That. Yes, yeah. Ephesians, yeah, in, in the, you know, you you have been set in the heavenlies. You, you're there. Yeah. Um, Colossians as well says about um, you've been taken and transferred from the power of darkness to the kingdom of his God's beloved son. You, you have, that's happened. We're now in the kingdom of, of his beloved son. So we, people uh, who are, who have accepted Christ have recognized that They've recognised the rule of God, effectively. They've yeah. realised that God is ruling, uh, that God is is in control, he's sovereign, and that he ought to rule their lives. And it's Jesus now that God's appointed with all authority. That's that's what we saw, I think, right at the start. So so it's Jesus that is, is king and, and, and rules. But the, so the question remains then, is that all it is? Um, is? Is that all it's about? So there's a couple more passages. One of the, another one that um, sort of summarises or reinforces what we've just seen. Matthew 21, okay. So this this is another occasion where Matthew, I think I think it was only five times. Um, you might want to check that out. But there's, I think there's five times where Matthew uses the phrase kingdom of God instead of kingdom of heaven. This is another one. And and these are really key defining moments in the gospel. This one is is definitely one. Matthew 21 verse 43. Jesus, again, he's, he's clashing with the, the generation of leaders in Jerusalem again. And he says, verse 43, Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. Okay, so so here the kingdom of God is sort of, 
seen in some kind of present sense, as in it kind of belongs to the generation of rulers in Jerusalem, effectively. You know, it belongs to them. It's their heritage. It's what we've. It's exactly what we've seen, isn't it? It's their heritage. It's their history. It's their Torah. It's their scriptures and everything like that. And Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is is going to be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. Now that to me is really interesting. Um, it links right back to what we've just seen. Uh, it's totally in accord with the whole, the kingdom of God has come upon you and uh, the Sermon on the Mount teaches that if you accept the rule of God, that God rules, you ought to live like this. You ought to produce the fruit of the kingdom of, of God. You've got to, got to live like that, basically. So so that's that, that links to that. But it's, but the, it's couched in a slightly different way, isn't it? The kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. So it's kind of saying, look, these people are doing it. They're starting to produce the fruit and it feels like there's there's lots of people who are going to be doing that and maybe doing it on and on over a period of time. And ultimately, this kingdom of God is going to be sort of re-energized or reimagined mm. or, you know, fulfilled in its in its real sense at, at some sort of future point. I don't know. If, I think, I think yeah, that comes it. through. Yeah. And also in the context of here, you're right at the end of a series of parables, which is comparing yeah. and, and looking at the role of the kind of established religious people and how they weren't necessarily producing fruit or they were dealing with um, God's messengers in an incorrect way. So you've got the labourers in the vineyard at the beginning of chapter 20, uh, where you've got the triumphant en- en- um, entry, but then and then you've got the parable of the tenants, how they use that, that kind of that um the thing that they've been given um and so then and that, so it fits right right yeah slots right in there doesn't it and it basically says look this this idea of a kingdom this this sense of of a hope is going to be taken from you who don't really want it and it's going to be given to somebody or a group of people that really do want it and are going to do something with it and produce some fruit with it that's kind of what it's talking about there i think yeah yeah that's right and then just look at the next chapter as well the next parable, parable mm. of the wedding mm. feast. You know, all these people are invited to a wedding and they're like, nah, I don't want to come. Forget that. And yeah. and so they have to go out to other people who are going to come to the wedding. And, yeah. you know, so, so there's this, it, there's this anticipation now that there is, there's a, there's people out there that are going to listen to the proclamation of the kingdom. They're going to listen to the teaching of the kingdom of Jesus. And they're going to let that reality of God's rule and the he- rule of heaven to, to sort of filter through their lives and they're gonna they're gonna produce its fruit so yeah absolutely yeah so so th- then final final point final reference okay is um matthew 25 um and this sort of completes the the story or, or the or the picture of, of the kingdom i suppose so there's three there's three parables in matthew 25 um and it's verse verse one then the kingdom of heaven will be like and it's it's 10 virgins or 10 bridesmaids or whatever the version says um, and that's about some sort of future arrival of, of a of a bridegroom. Um, verse 14, that it, it, it's another parable. For it will be like a man going on a journey. And then there's a, like a long period of time and then expectation that the man's going to come back. Okay. And then verse 31, the final parable in this whole sequence about, you know, throughout the whole book, there's been loads of these parables that are t- about the kingdom of heaven. And this is the final one. Verse 31, when the son of man, referring to Jesus, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Now, th- so this is parable. OK, it's talking about sheep and goats. Um so when it says, verse 32, before him will be gathered all nations, he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right, the goats on his left. You know, this is a parable um, basically saying, mm-hmm. look, some future time, 
there'll be some sort of judgment uh, in the world. Okay, and then verse 34, the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So, so this climax of the parables of the kingdom of heaven imagines this or expects and looks forward to the point in time where Jesus is effectively saying, look, you can now come in. You can come into the kingdom. You know, it's all, it's all happened. It's all over. It, the kingdom of heaven, you can enter into this, this reimagined world now that in its full glory and its full sort of restoration, um, you know, this is what the world should be like. And, and the point is, these people have lived like the Sermon on the Mount has taught them. They've already done it. They're living like they're part of the kingdom and part of the, that, that, you know, that, that people and that place in their lives. They've already done it. And then the reality, the fullest reality is, is at the end, you know, which, which may, may be what people, people either use the term the kingdom, they either use it to, to refer to the thing in the future that we're all going to look forward to, or they use it to say, uh, scrap that, the kingdom is now like the church, the organization and that sort of thing, which, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, we've not even thought about that. Um, but, but really, I think in the, what we've seen from Matthew, um, the term the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is referring to this, this future, this, this reality, this, this um, uh, period of time, this restored world that we're all looking forward to. Some people refer to that as new creation, you know, effectively. So we're looking forward to that. But all those principles apply right now to those who who follow Jesus and they yeah. effectively have to live like they're in the kingdom in the heavenlies right now as well. So that that kind of merges the the line, blends the line there a little um and just shows how we we ought to live prepare you know preparing our lives. It matters how we live now, it matters what we do to the, to the earth, to the world, to other people and you know all that sort of thing. So so there you go. Okay. Right. That's that's uh I, I feel like that then, isn't it, Dan? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know about dealing with it. The kingdom of heaven. Yeah. It's it's like the thesis statement, or you know, it's the it's the thing of Matthew's gospel. It's it's what Jesus went around and taught, proclaimed in yeah. the kingdom of heaven. So, in one short podcast, we've not we've not done it all, but yeah. hopefully that's a you know a decent enough way of framing it to to get your head around it and. Yeah, no, I think, and I and I think the the way that you summarised it there was really good. I mean, there's there are too many statements to ignore about something real happening in the future, which has got the the term kingdom associated with it. Yep. Um, the fact that those passages you looked at, the things that we see in Acts, the the fact that Jesus goes away and comes back and has been promised to come back again, the meek shall inherit the earth. The fact that it's linked with David and the throne of David, all those things all point to something in the future that's going to happen, but also. Um, um, we see the theme of Matthew reshaping people's lives and turning them about from a way of thought to another way of thought, which leads to that end point. That's really kind of kind of what we're trying to sort of emphasize here. I think. Yeah, that's right. Yes, the kingdom yeah. isn't is it. The kingdom is about something tangible, something on the earth, and something future. But th- that isn't all that it's about. It stands for God's principles as well, and it's yeah. you know it's therefore the way of living for looking forward to that point in time and smashing okay well i think we'll uh, leave it there dan uh we could go on for another hour um but uh we'll leave it there do we have uh, pl- any plans for what's coming next in this ah. series? Well, we've got to we've got to find some way of wrapping up Matthew. Um, I think because uh, mm. this isn't going to go on forever. I mean that we we could keep doing Matthew all the time, but we're gonna I'm gonna try and wrap it up in six episodes. So we've got a couple more to do. So we need okay. to somehow you know wrap up. We've got to get to there's there's a phrase that there's something about Jesus. Um, saying who he is and asking his disciples who he is that i think that's that would be really critical i think i think that'd be a good one to think through um and then there's of course the the small thing of him dying and uh, being mm. resurrected as well so yeah. 
yeah there's uh, there's loads more to, to think through okay good well so thank you very much Dan again for your uh, your contributions uh, thank you everybody for listening uh, you've been listening to the Bible Feed podcast so thank you very much everybody listening to the bible feed podcast thanks for joining us we're always keen to hear what you think hear your questions or subjects you'd like to discuss so get in touch with us on our facebook page or send a message from our webpage at biblefeed.org and be part of the journey Bible Feed.